Hello everybody, I'm Tonto Averill, and welcome to another episode of the Kung Pao Dining Podcast, where we talk about the many ways to prepare one of nature's most versatile dishes, Kung Pao Chicken. Did you know that with a little preparation, you could have Kung Pao Chicken, or KPC as I like to call it, for breakfast? Yeah, you can. And though most people don't immediately think of KPC for breakfast, but if you haven't had a KPC omelet at 4.30 in the morning, just before you have to change out your bedpan, then you're really missing out. I like mine with a lot of syrup because it really balances out the savory flavors. Mmm, it's so good. We're going to take a look at a recipe which I found on a site called The Onion, which with a name like that has to be a pretty reputable cooking site. I wouldn't have chosen the onion personally, but you know everybody's different. Before we go into that recipe, I need to give some shout-ups to a few podcasts that I want you all to check out. I haven't listened to them yet, but I think they all have something to do with cooking based on their names. So let's show some Kung Pao Dining love to the Something Something cast, who probably whip up a little something something in the kitchen. Also the Tattooed Banana podcast, because I like bananas and would eat them with KPC. And Ice and the Face, because Ice is also pretty versatile, so I'd love to see what creative recipes they have. Speaking of recipes, let's take a look at our mystery basket. Welcome to the Kung Fu Dragon Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. young slave watches as his father is killed by a ruthless warlord. Left for dead, he finds refuge and healing amongst the legendary monks of Shaolin. But with love and learning in the balance, will he get the vengeance he seeks for the death of his father? Welcome to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and today, class is in session at the Shaolin Temple. Shaolin Temple. <laughs> That's like 20 years ago. Uh, so, I just brought all my learn for past 10 years on that time. Past 10 years, the staff bring to the movie. We call 18 kind of weapons. All the different kind of things just put in the movie. I choreography by myself because I don't know. I just ask the director, just do something to help the characters. So I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Just the director tell me how to do it. Just do it. I just do it. Do my best. Now after that, then I thought is my life start changed. The lives of kung fu fans changed as well as Jet Li officially landed in his debut role in this 1982 film directed by Chang Shen Now, in terms of plot, this film isn't exactly spilling over with complexity. It's a very basic revenge tale with the backdrop of the Shaolin Temple as both refuge and resource for our protagonist as he methodically plots the vengeance of his father's murder. But that isn't what makes this film so special. Instead of hiring a bunch of regular extras, the director scouted the martial arts schools in the area as well as the Chinese Wushu national team to fill the roles of the Shaolin monks. This allowed for authentic martial arts to be used on screen and made for incredibly authentic displays of skill and artistry in every scene. 
Jet Li was born in Beijing, China, as the youngest of two boys and two girls, and when he was two, his father died, leaving the family in dire straits. When Jet Li was eight, his talent for wushu really began to show, and renowned wushu coaches really went the extra mile to make sure that Jet could develop his talent as a wushu artist. Eventually, he made the Chinese national team, and as a member of the team, he went on to win 15 gold medals and one silver medal, despite competing against adults. Li is a master of several styles of wushu, especially northern long fist style, tumbling fist, eight trigram palm, supreme ultimate fist, shape intent fist, drunken fist, eagle claw fist, and praying mantis fist. I didn't even know there were this many fists in any kind of kung fu, much less be a master of several of them at once. Jet also studied some of Wushu's main weapons, such as the three-section staff, the broadsword, the straight sword, and many more. I was first exposed to Jet Li through the movie Fist of Legend, and I remember being a little bit peeved as I started to realize that the movie was just a remake of Bruce Lee's Fist of Fury. I thought, how dare anyone try to out-Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee himself? But as I watched, I began to appreciate Jet Li's subtly different take on the story, and more importantly, I was wowed by the jaw-dropping physicality of Jet himself. I was immediately a fan, and after that I sought out the rest of his filmography. This movie opens up in Shaolin Temple, where the head abbot is initiating new novices. Jet Li, as Ju Yun, is about to take his final vows to become a full monk. But there's one important question that he has to answer. Thou shalt not murder. Can you obey this? Ju Yun can't answer. Instead, we get a flashback to when he was one of many slaves in a mud pit being oppressed by a harsh overlord. A stumbling slave causes one overseer to be thrown from his horse, which brings on a beatdown. Julian's father rushes to the fallen slave's side, which angers the overseer. Fight scene. Julian's father is an accomplished kung fu master, and even though he's in leg irons, he is more than a match for the equally adept overseer. Because these actors were all drawn from the ranks of the best martial arts schools in the area, there is nothing but fluid, dynamic battling here, as the actors all had a lot of input in their own fight choreography. They move with distinct power and because some of them have conceivably trained with one another for years, they all put on incredibly well-oiled displays of Kung Fu. Julian's father, the famous Mighty Leg Chang, is known for his formidable kicking style of Kung Fu, and he nearly cuts down the overseer with a leg lock when the overlord Wang interrupts. <laughs> Thank you, the famous Mighty Leg Chang. But soon, you're going to be Broken Leg Chang. <laughs> Wong is, of course, an accomplished martial artist himself, and he and Mighty Leg get into a healthy exchange. Mighty Leg executes a thrilling array of double-leg flying kicks to Wong, but the chains take their toll, and Chang gets cut down with a throat lock that will eventually crush his windpipe. Ju Yun jumps in using his own kicking style, and we get our first taste of just how agile and electric Jet Li is going to be on screen. Every movement is like a rubber band being snapped in half as he goes from move to move with incredible quickness and accuracy. He's a whirlwind in the battle, but the Overlord is able to corral the inexperienced Yun and hit him with a chest punch that should be fatal. As his minions throw the presumed dead Yun into the river, Wong finishes off Mighty Leg with a blade through the heart. Instead of dying, Ju Yun manages to drag himself across a vast desert to Shaolin Temple. He collapses in a courtyard where several monks are training. The monks bring Yun to the head abbot, who, despite some concerns from another abbot, allows him to stay and recover. We cut to a scene where we're introduced to a group of playful monks who are bouncing around on the ground on a frog hunt, despite the edict that monks are not allowed to eat meat. 
These guys are important because they're going to set the tone later for the rules of Shaolin Temple and how they're kind of flexible so long as they have Buddha in their heart. Now for all the animal lovers out there, I need you to either step away for a bit or cover your ears because the first act of animal cruelty, and yes I said first act, is about to happen. Okay? So these somewhat lax monks take the frog that they've caught back to their room and hack its head off. Now this is 1982, so I don't know what kind of special effects they had, but it really does look like they just hacked a dead frog's head off. Their equally lighthearted Sifu walks in and essentially absolves them of their guilt because they're planning on making a frog soup for the ailing Juyun. Meanwhile, the Sifu gets back to tending the recovering Juyun, and he's making slow but steady progress. The students walk in and offer the frog soup that they made along with two eggs provided by someone known as Pure Jade. And now is as good a time as any for a musical interlude. Wait, what? Seriously. We meet Pure Jade doing a musical number as she's herding sheep on the mountainside. Juyun, along with the monks, are fetching water from the nearby river and can hear her song. The monks are doing the classic outstretched arm carry as they move across the landscape. Juyun, who isn't a monk, is having trouble negotiating the carry and the various obstacles that they have to cross. Pure Jade teases him a little by sending her dog to chase him across the stream. When Juyun arrives at the water drop-off, he's actually spilled most of the water because he's kind of incompetent right now. Jiyun overhears the sounds of training and peeks over a wall to witness the number of monks training in different styles and with many different weapons. This is just a showcase for the various Wushu students to demonstrate their impressive skills. We see swords, staffs, chains, all kinds of weapons being wielded as effortlessly as you or I might handle a spoon. One guy does somersaults off his head. No arms, no hands, just a head to the ground and a flip, while another guy whips a chain under him while lying on the ground. It's just a gross celebration of their mastery over their martial arts, but it's glorious. Hey guys, this is Bill. This is Phineas. And together, we're the Tattooed Bananas. We do a comedy podcast, and on our comedy podcast, we talk about all kinds of wacky crap, like... Nutscaping. I'll tuck you in tonight. Turning your funeral into a funeral. Can I have an ice pop? Can I have a candy? Dick fishing, furniture banging, and so much more. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and connect with us with the Potter and Family hashtag on Twitter. Yeah, don't forget to check out the Instagram. Throw a bag of bagels at someone's head. Now remember that dog that Pure Jade let loose on Juyun? Well, it made its way here as well and scares Juyun off the wall and into a nearby cottage. An abbot hears the commotion, so Juyun traps the dog and tries to keep it quiet by hiding it under a blanket on a cot, pretending to be asleep when the abbot walks by. This abbot, who has never trusted Juyun, quietly rebukes him as being lazy and worthless. Juyun laughs it off after the abbot leaves and goes to rouse the dog. Animal lovers, here's your next warning. You're going to want to walk away for a little while. In his attempt to quiet the dog, Juyun accidentally smothers and kills it. Instead of owning up to his mistake, he takes the dog to a serene spot by the river and buries it. However, 
that burial doesn't last very long, as since he's in no hurry to get back to Shaolin and face the music, he decides to chill out for a while and gets hungry. So we get a good old-fashioned dog roast. Ji Yun is happily feasting on a thick side of dog meat when the Sifu happens upon him. The Sifu is understanding of Ju Yun's need to eat meat because he's not bound to challenge rules for monks. Ju Yun tries to tempt him to break his vows and share the meal with him. The Sifu nearly caves when his mischievous students also show up to share in the dog feast. Concerned that they're being bad monks, the Sifu assures them, Meat and wine don't hurt if Buddha's in your heart. The Buddha doesn't mind these things, as long as we always try and do good. One of the monks, though, seems to have taken gross advantage of the lax rules as he pours copious amounts of wine down his gullet. When his brothers try to comfort him, we hear a little bit of his backstory and then get a demonstration of his drunken pole style. Apparently, the scene had to be shot 48 times, according to IMDb. Maybe he was method acting. Anyway, it's an amazing display of the stumbling, bumbling style of misdirection and deceptive footwork that is the hallmark of the drunken boxing style. When the abbot starts walking up on the scene, the group scatters from the camp. While he's running, Ju Yun stumbles across Pure Jade, who's calling out for her dog. Ju Yun happens to be carrying the dog's pelt, which obviously sets Pure Jade off. Now, no slouch at Kung Fu herself, she uses a switch reed to cut away at Ju Yun, forcing him to employ lots of evasive maneuvers. The Sifu happens upon the fight, where we learn that Sifu is Pure Jade's father, from a time before he was a monk and had to secret her away while he was hunted down by Wang's forces. Ju Yun begs to become a monk so he can be taught Kung Fu and avenge them all. Sifu reminds him that Kung Fu is for defense, but accepts his request and presents him to the temple for initiation. We catch up several months later as Ju Yun is training with his brothers in a chamber of Shaolin where the monks practice conveying power in their katas. The floor of this chamber is famously depressed in spots where legend has it that the monks train so rigorously that they've dented the stones under their feet. An impatient Ju Yun is having trouble seeing the point of the repeated exercises, but is encouraged by the Sifu to be patient and keep going. Ju Yun channels his energy into the training, and we see a marked improvement in his attitude and dedication. During one sparring match, we get to see how the training has started to come together, as he's able to put his opponent at a disadvantage and lock his throat under a crushing thumb, mimicking how Wang incapacitated his father years ago. Here, Ju Yun's vengeance-clouded motives rear up as he envisions Wang under his thumb. He nearly kills the student and gets admonished by the abbot as evil and is banned from studying any more kung fu. Ju Yun decides that if he can't learn kung fu, he's just better off running away. As he crosses the river, he spots Pure Jade in the distance tending her flock, but turns away and runs just as Pure Jade is paid a visit by Wang's cruel overseer and his goons. Animal lovers, one more warning. You know what to do. Fight scene. The goons attempt to abduct Pure Jade, but to get to her, they have to go through her flock. And they cut through that flock with extreme prejudice. The goons hack away at her sheep and leave them bloody messes on screen. Meanwhile, Pure Jade and the Overseer lock in on each other and trade blows even though Pure Jade is cradling a little lamb in one arm. She uses a whipping kick style along with her reed to keep the Overseer at bay. He's very powerful, however, and gets in close enough to snatch the lamb from Pure Jade and brutally wrings its neck as the thing is flailing around in his hand. So if you're keeping score, we've watched one frog, one dog, three sheep, 
and one lamb die pretty pointlessly. And the dog got eaten. Yun finds himself on a riverbank when he spots Wang's goons riding by with pure jade captive. He runs into another rebel, Li Ximin, who's also trying to escape from Wang's suppression. Yun, meanwhile, follows the goons to Wang's HQ and tries to take on the overlord himself to rescue pure jade. Fight scene. Yun gets a rematch against some of the goons from his days in the mud pit, as he recklessly throws down against a lot of them. He's learned enough kung fu now to take out a few of them before having to engage the overseer. We get a frenetic staff versus sword battle here where Ju Yun is combining a lot of what we've seen already with his own kicking style. The overseer doesn't last very long in this match before Ju Yun makes his way inside to fight Wang himself. Wang, who's already been drinking a little, doesn't shy from any attack. This forces Ju Yun to reach into his Shaolin bag of tricks and try to emulate the drunken pole style he witnessed back in the forest. He matches Wang's drunken moves as the battle moves from room to room and out into the courtyard. Yun shows off lots of fancy stick handling to try and counter Wang's sword attacks. The match swings in Wang's favor, with Ju Yun having to use lots of flips and somersaults to stay out of Wang's reach. Pure Jade has to step in to create some distraction just for them to be able to escape. As they're being hunted down, Li Ximin literally drops in on them and steals one of Wang's horses to divert the attention to himself as Ju Yun and Pure Jade escape into the mountains. We get the first hints here that there might be a romance building, but Pure Jade convinces Ju Yun that his best option is to return to Shaolin Temple. A humble Ju Yun returns and is welcomed back by his Sifu with the caveat that he needs to learn patience and rededicate himself to Buddha. And now, you practice Kung Fu with your brothers. This next sequence is a beautiful training sequence that is nothing more than a showcase for Jet Li's abilities. In that interview clip at the top of the show, Lee said that he choreographed all his own work, and man does it really work here. We watch as Ju Yun trains through the four seasons with different styles and weapons. Unless you're trained in the martial arts yourself, everything that Jet Li does here looks like magic. His balance, footwork, leaping, and weapon handling look just unreal. He's so quick and light on his feet, but every strike he throws looks like it has the power of a freight train behind it. I always wondered if I could look as fluid if I were choreographed correctly, but watching this, it's evident that while I may be able to follow and duplicate the steps, accurately conveying the power of the Kung Fu itself would be completely lost on me. Jet Li looks like he's drawing energy from some other world as he spins and dances his way through the moves. We pick up the action a year later as Ju Yun is watching a mountain pass, as Wang's troops are making their way towards Shaolin Temple. Ju Yun takes it upon himself to create a roadblock by kicking loose some boulders and starting a small rock slide that will hopefully block the advancing troops. Li Ximin pops up, apparently having had the same idea, and the pair recognize one another and join forces as they retreat into the mountain caves to make their way back to Shaolin Temple. Back at the sacred graveyards of Shaolin, Sifu and his students are busy collecting firewood when they spot Wang's army approaching. Sifu stops them entering the sacred graves and is ready to fight, but the abbot negotiates a peaceful search of the grounds. Ju Yun and Li Ximin get busy crisscrossing the grounds to divide the troops. They corner two soldiers and shave one's head while dressing the other in Li Ximin's robe, and then sending them running off into the mountains under the threat of an arrow in their back. Wang's troops spot the pair running off and give chase, allowing Ju Yun and Li Ximin, now dressed as soldiers, to grab two horses and make their escape. We catch up with Pure Jade as she's quietly heading into a cavern. 
There, she finds Ju Yun and Li Ximin, who are hiding out. Wang's forces are searching for the pair, but Li Ximin has to cross the river. Pure Jade comes up with a plan to accomplish this, and it involves a little bit of cross-dressing. Now dressed as a bride and a groom, with a handmaiden attending them, the trio begin their journey towards the river. Ju Yun is using the shaved soldier's hair glued to his own head. Wang's troops catch up to them, and they try to break their cover. Li Ximin is an entirely unconvincing woman, but it's enough to fool the soldiers for a bit. Or so you would think. At the river crossing, as Li Ximin is about to say goodbye and leave, Wang's troops show up as they apparently were not entirely convinced of Li Ximin's femininity. They fire a volley of arrows at them, and Li Ximin takes one to the leg. Zhu Yun orders Pure Jade to take him across the river while he tries to hold them off. visual communication, and that's by design. At Tinbox Marketing Solutions, the goal of that design is to bring effective communication to a myriad of people through shape, color, texture, and sound. Tinbox is a creative services group located in Los Angeles, California, by way of New York City. Their clients include La Tigre, Konami, Pony Footwear, and comedian Jerry Seinfeld. For the bleeding edge in graphic design and print services, don't think outside the box. There is no box. Tinboxsolutions.com Fight scene. Ju Yun, armed only with a sword, takes on the entire army, weaving through spears, swords, and arrows to keep them at bay. There's a great slow motion shot of him leaping into the air with his sword drawn as the army advances on him. It's a hero shot out of a comic book, and it's gorgeous. I'll post the image to my various social media so you can see it. Meanwhile, Ju Yun uses the river at his back to keep the army off of him until he realizes that the cavalry is arriving in the form of his Sifu and brother monks. One soldier remarks that monks can't kill, but the Sifu replies, The Buddha would allow us to protect ourselves. The monks join the battle, and this is another amazing showcase of skill and weapon handling as we cut from monk to monk, as they're fending off three or four soldiers at a time. There's one particular monk you should watch as he takes on a bunch of soldiers with just a staff. He's incredibly agile, and at one point, he stabs the pole into the ground, anchoring it, then hops up onto the pole to avoid some sword thrusts, hops off of it to grab it again, and then beats the soldiers senseless. There's a great triple nunchuck sequence, and we even get to see the drunken monk do his thing in battle too. He even stops to take a drink while the spears are flying all around him. Throughout all of this, Ju Yun is being decidedly unmonk-like and is killing every soldier he can. When one general tries to flee the battle, Ju Yun throws a spear at him and cuts him down off of his horse. In the aftermath, the Sifu is surveying the bloodshed but can't reconcile Ju Yun's actions with his vows to Shaolin. Your soul can never be purified. From now on, you're not one of us. Master! Now you'll have to leave us. Back at the temple, Sifu orders that Ju Yun be kept from entering the inner gates. His fellow monks do all they can to keep Ju Yun out, 
with the Sifu even stepping up to keep him away. Wang exits the temple without his prisoners and is not enthusiastic about it. The monk can't hide for long. You have three days to hand him over or I'll destroy all of you. Back at Wang's headquarters, the soldier who snuck away from the battle has reported the whereabouts of Li Ximin and Zhu Yun. Wang orders the mobilization of his entire army to go and take down Shaolin Temple. We've got big trouble in Shaolin. Sifu is holding court with his students, explaining the severity of their predicament. The eager students want to fight when Zhu Yun shows up, begging to be allowed to fight for Shaolin Temple. He gets harshly admonished by the Sifu for his selfishness and recklessness. He does, however, ask for one thing as repayment. If he was to go into battle, he wants his daughter taken care of, and he entrusts pure jade to Zhu Yun's hands and orders her to never return to the temple, no matter what happens. Wang's army is rapidly advancing on the temple, and it's going to be a full-out bloody war. The army bum-rushes the temple and orders that it be burnt to the ground. The head abbot pleads with Wang to leave the temple and the innocent monks alone, and to place the whole of the responsibility on his shoulders. Wang accepts this bargain and tosses the monk into a pyre, where he starts to burn alive. Wang makes one final attempt to get the info from the monks by offering to save the temple and the abbot's life, but to no avail. Frustrated, he orders that the monks be slaughtered anyway, and as the abbot breathes his last in the pyre, the Sifu and his students show up, armed, and ready to fight to the death. Final fight! This battle is pretty chaotic and fittingly plays very angrily on screen. Even the abbot who didn't trust Zhu Yun in the beginning is forced to kill and he justifies it because they deserve to die. Every weapon we've seen thus far is represented and the monks don't pull any punches. There's a great fight scene on top of a wall where the monk shows off some Spider-Man-like moves and impressive leaping ability. It isn't a particularly groundbreaking fight or anything, but there's plenty to watch and lots of blood. Our Sifu himself is getting his hands dirty as he takes on Wong. This is the best fight in this scene as they throw down with such ferocity it looks like they really want to kill each other. Sifu's strikes move so quickly and strongly that the pair are just a blur as they trade blows. Wang is not getting the better end of this deal, so he calls for some reinforcements in the form of arrows. And our poor Sifu gets riddled with arrows just as Zhu Yun and Pure Jade arrive on scene. They retreat into the temple with Sifu's body in time to tell Sifu that Li Ximin and his army are crossing into the city prepared to fight. Wang's army breaks down the doors just as the news of Li Ximin's army gets to Wang. Ximin's troops are marching on Wang's headquarters, which forces Wang to abandon Shaolin Temple to take the fight back home. The monks take up pursuit, and the final battle is set to take place on Wang's home turf. Zhu Yun and Wang square off in the same mud pits where Zhu Yun's father died so many years ago. This time, Zhu Yun is far more ready, and it shows. They have a spirited battle, with Zhu Yun leaping all over the place and unleashing vicious series of punches and kicks that send Wang reeling. Meanwhile, Pure Jade is battling the evil overseer with the help of some of the monks. The head-tumbling monk gets to show off more of his moves as he spins his way in and out of trouble. These fights are so honest-looking, and that makes it so incredibly fun to watch. Meanwhile, Wang and Zhu Yun have escalated to swordplay, but Wang is looking pretty worse for the wear. Again, Jet Li's unbelievable wushu ability is just magical in this fight, and he caps it off with a mid-air collision with Wang that lays out the warlord, allowing Zhu Yun to plunge a blade through his heart. We flash back to the initiation scene where Zhu Yun has to answer the question to become a full monk. I shall not kill, only to uphold righteousness. The abbot then asks if Zhu Yun is willing to accept the vow of celibacy, to which Zhu Yun remembers his fondness for pure jade. He accepts the vow, leaving pure jade to accept his decision and leave the temple. Having passed all those vows, Zhu Yun becomes a full monk, 
while Li Ximin has been installed as the new emperor. The movie closes with Zhu Yun training a new class of Shaolin warrior monks. Yu's Starry Cycle by Jeff Summers, author of the Avery Cade series, has been called intricate with ink-black humor by RT Book Reviews, and heartbreaking, and soaked in blood and steeped in deadly power and desperation by Publishers Weekly. When blood fuels magic, there are mages, there are bleeders, and there are no good people. Learn the words, get the blood, and rule the world. Available everywhere from gallery books. Check out wearenotgoodpeople.com. For a debut movie, Jet Li really could have done so much worse, and it's so easy to see how he became the huge star that he is today. Find the movie wherever you can, guys, and enjoy it for arguably some of the most authentic kung fu you'll find in any kung fu film. Obviously, Jet Li is still active today, though due to a thyroid problem, he can't do the explosive kung fu that made him so famous. Thankfully, most of it is saved on film. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thanks for stopping by, and if you can, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps the show get noticed and keep on moving up the charts. And for a tiny show like this, that means a lot. Thanks to Stingray1993 for leaving us an awesome second review. It really is great to feel that love. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kung Fu Drive-In, on Facebook at the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast page, or our blog at KungFuDriveIn.com. See you next week, everybody. Peace.